with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 2 games across the NFL. And in this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks and get to Andy's total tease. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy, the prognosticator at Tridge. How are you doing, pal? Good. It's nice to be in the full swing of things now that we've got Week 1 under our belt. Um, didn't do as well personally as I would have hoped, but struggling. Um, I had a pretty good you know, week. It's a, you had a pretty good week. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. You know, it's it's obviously that's the toughest week to pick of the season, uh, with no preseason and uh, just not knowing how everyone's going to come out and play uh, in front of no fans. Um, but I need to tip. The hat to your bears, Maddie. The bears. The bears. Coming back in the fourth quarter last week when everyone, including myself and yourself, ruled them out. Oh, I was I was doing my typical Bears fan, head in my hands, sobbing all uncontrollably all over my sweetness jersey. But uh yeah, nothing went right for the Bears for three whole quarters. Like even the defense seemed to lack its usual intensity, but then Khalil Mack stepped in and gave a rousing speech that sparked the Bears' turnaround. And I'm actually told that we have the NFL Films audio from that speech available. Let's roll it. When you put on this uniform, there is no substitute for winning. No substitute. Or you hit the deck. So we're going to go out there. We aren't just going to beat them. We will grab them. And we will fuck their sisters in the cunt. Are you listening? Bring it in. Come on. Fuck these people. Fuck these people. Yes. And now that's how you fire up a team. And this is how we fire it up. It's time for our weekly picks. First game we're going to talk about is Dallas at home to the Atlanta Falcons and Dallas four point home favorites over under is 52 and a half. Now that four point line, we should mention that all our lines here are based on the Westgate Super Contest. So you can find all the lines there or our Facebook fan page. So Andy, this, uh, this Atlanta-Dallas game seems to set up pretty well for Dallas to right the ship as Matt Ryan hasn't won a road game in September or October since week 8 of 2017. He's 0-6 in that span. Wrong! Wrong! It's not shaping up at, uh, well at all for Dallas. Uh, you got Leighton Vander Esch right now is going to be ruled out till week 7 with a collarbone injury. Sean Lee didn't even see the field last week because he's still on the IR and they all also lost defensive tackle Cameron Irving after suffering a sprained MCL on Sunday. And, you know, if we go to the other side of the, the field and look at Atlanta, Matty Ice, 350 yards and two TDs, baby. And Julio Jones leads the league with 157 receiving yards. Calvin Ridley pulled in two touchdowns. Uh, these guys are firing on all cylinders. And it's, it's a big line. It started at six, I believe, minus six for Dallas. What's that? Did you know... 
that Julio Jones uh, right now is at the top of the NFL receivers list for receivers that have had 100-plus yard games but no touchdowns. Uh, So all that that yardage production and all those catches aren't necessarily translating into, well, at least six points. Some of them might go for field goals, but uh, set them up for a field goal, but – no, it's but not- look Look what happened last week. Calvin Ridley, their number two wide receiver, uh, as I say, he caught two touchdowns. And that's because, you know, they're putting double coverage on Julio. You can't be everywhere. I don't care what kind of a zone defense you're running. Um, but that's what that's the beat of Julio. He just has to be there, and he's getting double covered. Yes, Julio Jones is a threat. Um, but the Falcons, they don't have a pass defense at all. Russell Wilson was the only quarterback – that didn't have to pass into a tight window in week one. The only quarterback in the league that didn't have to pass in a tight window. It's because, and that's a horrible stat. This is a lot about the Falcons' pass defense. I think, and Dallas, you know Dallas plays really well at home. Dak Prescott is 12-4 and at home since uh, 2018. Add to that Ezekiel Elliott. Averaging 125 and a half career scrimmage yards per game. That's the most in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of 50 games. So, dude, I've, I'm taking Dallas at minus four. What do you think? Well, is Mike McCarthy going to go for it on fourth and three with 12 minutes left after having a lead? I don't know. Big Mike McCarthy is looking kind of barfy because he's choking on the big fourth down. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's just the star that does it to the head coaching staff there, but they seem to mismanage play. Calling, mismanage the clock, mismanage pretty much everything that you possibly can. I realize it was his first stretch out as a as a cowboy head coach, but Atlanta, you know, yeah, you're right about their defense. It it was suspect, and and Russell Wilson made them look completely disheveled. Uh, in fact, he threw for four touchdown passes and three incomplete passes. So, um, but I think Atlanta's kind of going to own the time of possession. Dallas actually had a, uh, it was almost 36 minutes um, that their opposition had. And, you know, so that's an 11, almost an 11 minute differential in time of possession. And if, if they keep letting Dak throw the ball constantly and they don't feed it to their guys in the backfield, uh, it's going to be a long game for their defense to be on the field that long. And I just, I I like the Falcons here with the points, um, call it a late field goal. But uh, yeah, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. Many teams will try, but ain't nobody did it. Dope is us. We Tennessee Titans, so ain't nobody coming close to us. And now we head to the Music City, where Tennessee sits as nine point favorites at home against the visiting Jacksonville Jaguars. Over under is at uh, 42 and a half. Uh, now, before we talk about this game, we have to talk about Guskowski missing three field goals and an extra point on Monday Night Football. Get this, Andy. He started the game as the fifth most accurate kicker in NFL history and ended up at the end of the night in ninth place. <laughs> and Are you already kidding me? Yeah. And according oh. to Next Gen Stats, the odds of Guskowski missing all three field goals and the extra point was one in 1,804. That's approximately 0.06%. Nuts, eh? You suck, you jackass. It, it is nuts. And, you know, I got in, I got down on the Titans just before game time at minus two and a half. So obviously that cost me some money. Um, it was very frustrating to watch. And, you know, even the announcers were calling him a future Hall of Famer. 
And w- once a kicker gets that bug in their ear that they're just not right, they're not going to be right for a while, if ever again. I don't care how good you are. That, that's the 10-point differential in that game. Yeah, and the craziest part about it all, once again, is that Bill Belichick cuts a player at the exact moment their career goes off the rails. It is incredible how Belichick does it. We're on to Cincinnati. Time it no, he already it. knows. He knows. He knows when guys are done and washed up. And he'll use you and abuse you and throw you away. You can't eat the orange and throw the peel away? A man is not a piece of fruit? Now, do you think that, uh, that, that Tennessee... You think they can come back from that performance Monday night, you know, against a Jacksonville team that looked pretty good last week? Uh, I don't know. Well, they didn't so, cover okay. against the Broncos. Okay, so I, I know that was okay. Let's go into the Jacksonville because that was obviously one of the three big upsets of the week. The other, um, obviously, being Washington and uh, my Niners going down. I called both of those, by the way. Jacksonville yeah, I know, and I know Washington. That. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Steps. Thanks, Steps. I like that. Uh, but Tune a lot of it had to do with, guys with maybe conditioning had it had to do with it because it was very hot, very humid at Jacksonville in the fourth quarter. You know, the guys are just the guys were just gassed. And Gardner Minshew. Me, 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 me. Holy crap. I mean, the guy threw 19 of 20, like 95% completion rate. Like, I think that's what Phil Sims did in the Super Bowl that he beat the Bills. It was incredible. And yeah, they, they just, they rallied and I've got a lot of respect for them. I'm going to be taking the Jaguars in this one. And let me tell you why it's a pure math thing. So the total on this is relatively low at 42 and a half. Um, right now, the Westgate is sitting at an eight and a half point spread. So you're not looking at a high-scoring game. And Jacksonville um, could easily put up 20 points against Tennessee, even though they've got a great defense. Even though they put up 17 points, I think that this game is going to be less than 8.5 points. So just from a statistical analysis, uh, Jacksonville looks like the right side here. And I'm going with Gardner Minshew and his mustache. Couldn't agree with you more. And just to add to one more thing about the math is that you've got Derrick Henry running for Tennessee. So Tennessee's generally not going to blow teams out because they're a very run-heavy no. offense. So eight exactly. and a half points. Now, I actually bought them when it was the look-ahead line last Sunday at uh, plus 10. So I'm looking forward to that game, but I'd still take them at uh, eight and a half for sure. I'd buy that for a dollar. Our next game takes place in America's Wang. Florida, but that's America's Wang. That's right. It's a Florida team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nine-point favorites at home against the visiting Carolina Panthers. And uh, do you think that Tom Brady already misses playing the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins two times a season? Well, if he, if he doesn't already, he will very soon. Well, we know, you know, we I- know Brady's very concerned with how his legacy will be perceived when he retires, right? So yeah. now... As of last week, his name gets to live on in infamy alongside Matt Schaub and Blaine Gabbert as the only quarterbacks to have three straight games with a pick six. Oh, really? 
That is correct, sir. James, sorry, Jameis Winston is not on that list. He is not. Neither is Nathan Peterman. But Tom Brady's on that list. Wow, that's um, you know, Jameis Winston was in the house. He was in the building watching. Yeah, Tom threw two picks and one for uh, one for return for six points. But Don Brady doesn't play defense. And I mentioned in last week's episode, for all you loyal listeners, all five of their defensive backs are under the age of 25. And Drew Brees just torched them. Absolutely torched them. And I think that Teddy Bridge over Troubled Water can do the same thing. And I, I believe that this game is going to be a heck of a lot closer than nine points. And you've got... Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, don't forget. Tampa Bay just doesn't want to play defense. Spoiler alert, this might come over in my total uh, uh, my total tease later, but I expect a high-scoring game, and I expect Carolina to keep it very close. So, you know, nine, nine points? No, I'm sorry. Um, that's way too many to be giving to a team that's really – they don't look like they've gelled yet and obviously with really the only loss of cam newton everything else seems to be um in place um other than luke keekley for the panthers i'm still going with the panthers and i'm taking the nine points and putting them in my back pocket well yeah you mentioned teddy bridgewater and he had a fantastic week one or at least he wasn't too bad uh he didn't come out with the win obviously but he played pretty well against what i think is a good raiders team uh, his stat line was 22 of 34, 269 for the yards and one touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over. Zero picks, zero, yeah. zero fumbles. And you right. know that run CMC is going to get his, right? Like he's going to go off. And it, I don't think this is going to be a low scoring game. If anything, I kind of like the over on this. Yeah. But uh, here's a little piece of trivia for you. The Panthers are one of two teams that Tom Brady has a losing record against. He's two and three in his career. Uh, who is the other team that Brady has a losing record against? It, and this Seattle. is regular season. Seattle. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, that's actually right. I heard that Seahawks. stat. It was actually it was actually a Bill Belichick stat against um, the Seahawks. So because of playing each other this week, that's how I heard of it. The only loss. Oh, what was it? Oh, in the Super Bowl. Right. Super Bowl. Well, the, the game that counted the most. But, uh, yeah, the I'm game with that you, man. The most. I, I, I don't think that uh, Tampa Bay has the defense to carry a nine-point spread. I think Brady is no, still no, going to pass for right. some yardage, but uh, and, and, you know, they're going to score some, some points. But nine points, I, I agree, especially at this point in the season when I think this is kind of like a second preseason game for everybody, right? They're still getting into the swing of things, uh, feeling what live game action's like. So it might take another game or two for these these guys to really hit full stride. So I'm with you, buddy. Let's go with uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, baby! <laughs> On to Steel City, where the Pittsburgh Steelers are uh, seven-point favorites at home against the Denver Broncos, 41-and-a-half uh, over-under. This is kind of another game where the math looks a little daunting, as if 
Pittsburgh's, you know, seven points is a lot when you're talking about a 41 and a half uh, over under. There aren't going to be a lot of points scored this game, but man, I don't know if Denver's going to score many because Pittsburgh's defense was bringing the freaking wood last week. Uh, they oh. <laughs> they tore through the Giants' old line like Kleenex at a snot party, buddy, and Danny Dines was running for his life. Part of that might be that the Giants' old line isn't that great, but a big part of that is that the Steelers' defense is really, really good at playing football. <laughs> they are really, really good at playing football. They, uh, you know, We'll talk about this a little bit more in uh, the Giants-Bears game, but you know, they held Saquon Barkley. <laughs> they held him to six yards on 15 carries. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger rushed him. And, okay, but keep in mind that one of his carries went for seven yards. <laughs> yeah. So he spent most of his time on his ass in the backfield. Well, uh, the, gap, the gap penetration by Pittsburgh's uh, D-line was nothing short of superlative. It was... Those guys, right off the snap, were controlling the O-line and getting into the backfield right away. Running backs were getting handoffs, whether it was Saquon or anyone else, getting a handoff back there, and they were just getting swallowed up right away. And they, they were getting a great uh, penetration on their pass rush as well. They, if Pittsburgh's defense continues to play like this, uh, they're going to be a contender in the AFC by virtue of defense alone. Dude, they could be in the Super Bowl if their defense keeps up like this. Denver's defense looks surprisingly good, though, uh, considering yeah. they lost Vaughn Miller before the season even started. And last week, Tennessee was uh, a playoff team last year, and their de mm -hmm. Denver's defense was on the field for a large part of the game because their offense wasn't doing much. And they managed to hold, uh, I mean, with the help, I guess, of Goskowski, they managed to hold Tennessee to 16 <laughs> points. Well, so here's the other thing. Week two is kind of special in that everyone overreacts to what they saw in week one, right? You saw Pittsburgh really kick the crap out of their opponent on a Monday night under the lights, right? And it was obviously the Giants weren't anywhere as good as I thought they were going to be. Um, you know, obviously the best example was Saquon Barkley's production. But now Pittsburgh's got James Conner, who's still questionable, uh, or sorry, is questionable after suffering an ankle injury on Monday night. So you got a second-year rusher in Benny Snell Jr. who's going to get the bulk of the work in the backfield. And, again, this is a low total at 41.5 with a fairly big spread of a touchdown. I kind of like Denver here just to keep it close. And I know it's an ugly-looking pick, especially knowing that Philip Lindsay might not be in the lineup. Or Cortland Sutton. Well, yeah, but I don't think he was there last week either. Was he? No, he wasn't. But that's a that's no. like their only oh, no, deep threat, sure. right? Yeah. He, and he's like now he's questionable for this week. And I know Philip Lindsay is. Well, Vic Fangio said he's day to day. Here's what concerns yeah. me about Denver, buddy. And I'm going to give you three big points here that are going to be why I'm going for the Steelers. Uh, number one is Drew Locke's career versus the Blitz, and that's what the Steelers did a whole heck of a lot of. He's 48.4 completion percentage, two touchdowns, one interception, and a 78.4 passer rating. Versus no blitz, this is point number two, he's 72.4 completion percentage, six touchdowns, two interceptions, and his passer rating goes up to a 96. He can't function against the blitz, and Pittsburgh's going to spend all day in the backfield. So their offense isn't very good, and they've got to travel all the way across the country after playing the late game on Monday Night Football. No way. Taking the Steelers. 
Yeah, you know what? Um, you've, you've come very close to talk, talking me off of the Denver pick, um, especially considering the, the short week. But, you know, again, we'll talk about the Giants a little bit more in, in the Bears analysis, but was it the Giants' offensive line that played so horribly that allowed them to get so much pressure on Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley? Or was it the, just the, simply that the Steelers' defense is that good? But, and I well, think the it's Broncos, a combination of both. But. Yeah, the, I agree. But the Broncos' O-line last week wasn't doing that great against uh, Tennessee. Well, Tennessee's got a pretty good pass well, rush. Of course, but that's what I'm saying. That's what they looked like against a pass rush, and they were able to put up, uh, what, 14 points? Well, they, they kept it. I mean, yeah, but they kept it to a two-point game, thanks to Kostkowski. But... <laughs> Yeah, of, of course, think, but but it's it, it they scored fourteen points. The only other thing I want to say about this game is that the totals at forty one and a half. Don't be surprised if it goes way under that. I think I've seen more scoring at a drive-in movie theater than you're going to see in this game. You are making out during Schindler's List. So you're taking the Broncos. I'm taking the Broncos. Go America, go America, go Broncos. Yeah, go Broncos. Yeah. It's the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. The Eagles, uh, well, they're at home, and they're one-point favorites against visiting L.A. Rams. Now, it must be mentioned that at a few different sportsbooks that I've seen, this game has now moved to a pick'em, and uh, that means that a lot of the sharp money was moving on to the L.A. Rams, and, and why not? I mean, the Eagles couldn't even handle the Washington football team last weekend. How are they going to handle a Rams team who are better on both sides of the ball uh, this line even started higher, did it not, Andy? Yeah, I think I think it started around two and a half. At least the look ahead one uh, last week was. Now, ironically, uh, both these teams have faced the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl in the last three years. Um, so they're quality teams in terms of their coaching and their staff. Okay, so where are things falling off the rails? I'll tell you exactly where it is uh, for Philadelphia. They're down two old linemen. Uh, left tackle Andre Dillard and and guard Brandon Brooks, and then they also had a third lineman go down during the game against the professional football team from Washington, and that's where you saw that absolute seventeen point collapse. And I don't really think it had anything more to do with it. If you look at it, so Carson Wentz was sacked eight times and he fumbled another two. And I know you're a huge Carson Wentz fan, Maddie, right? I love Carson Wentz so much. Do I detect a note of sarcasm? Are you kidding me? This baby is off the charts. Who is sarcasm detector? Well, that's a really useful invention. <laughs> well, here's another problem that he was facing. Deshaun Jackson, their best, their best weapon on the outside, was targeted seven times, and he caught two of them. Alrighty then. You're preaching to the choir. I don't think Philadelphia is a very good football team. I think Doug Peterson's a good coach. Uh, Carson Wentz might even be a bit better of a quarterback if he had an O-line that kept him healthy for the first part of his career and, um, well, had a team around him, but he doesn't. And I'm not the biggest Carson Wentz fan to begin with. Tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. I'm not going to put a lot of thought into this one because I really don't care about either of these two teams. But let's face it, uh, Sean McVay, he is excellent at getting the Rams prepared to, to go play over on the East Coast. Rams are 4-0 and in the McVay era uh, when playing in the Eastern time zone at 1 p.m. 
and they scored 30 plus points in all four of those games. I, I don't think Philly can win that track meet. I'm going with the Rams. Yeah, the Rams have won their last eight out of ten on the road. Um, McVeigh very much be person. Can you imagine being Aaron Donald right now, licking his chops against that offensive line? Oh. Like Carson Wentz is going to have a rough, rough day on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's going to have to put his chiropractor and his massage therapist on speed dial after that one. Would you like me to finish off? Oh, oh, oh okay. To the Meadowlands we go where the New York Jets are at home. To the San Francisco 49ers, the Jets are six and a half point home dogs. And uh, well, your Niners let me down last week, Andy, but you called it. Um, so there's something that you saw. Uh, what do you think of your Niners chances in the Meadowland? This is your account. This is my account. And I, I just simply didn't think that they were good enough to cover seven points last week. I actually took them in my survivor pool, which I'm no longer in. Thank you very much. Ouch. Week one. Um, but that's what happens when you go two for 11 on third down and over two on fourth down. And, you know, you couple that with some really untimely penalties when you had them pinned against the, the shadow of the goalposts. Um, I mean, I'm not taking any away from Kyler Murray because he ran around like a damn maniac. But in general, the 49ers struggle struggling against teams with mobile quarterbacks. They had three losses last year and two of them were to Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Sam Darnold is not Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. He's not. He's going to be seeing ghosts like he did last year against New England. Seeing ghosts. Now you've also got Le'Veon Bell, who's out with a hamstring until week five, which puts what thirty-seven-year-old Frank Gore at the top of their depth chart in running back position. The U. And I, whoa, the U. Uh, I know Richard Sherman will not be playing this week. He's he's on the IR for three weeks, which is a little different than other years because of COVID uh, protocols. Uh, once you're on the IR, you have the ability to take a player off after three weeks as opposed to putting them on for the entire season. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo will be using the Jets secondary like a whipping boy. Um, their whole defense. I mean, without CJ Mosley and now Jamal Adams in Seattle, uh, you could tell that those guys were terribly missed and yeah frank gore's your lead back i'm sorry it's not it's not 2001 i'm um i gotta take the san francisco 49ers you know it's not even a touchdown i think they're going to destroy the jets they're going to be really focused this week and in fact i think they play oh i know they play the giants next week and usually what they do is they uh hang out at the debartolo compound uh in evanstown ohio uh, for that journey, and they, it's, it seems to have treated them well in terms of how they've, uh, how they've, you know, been productive uh, uh, with those with those games on the on the East Coast. So, the fact that they're traveling, not a big deal. The Jets are still the Jets, and I'm going with my Niners. Oh, the Jets' offense is horrible. They've scored fewer than 20 points in 11 games since the start of 2019. That's tied for the second fewest in the NFL. And Sam Darnold 
has one or more interceptions and fewer than 250 pass yards in six consecutive games. So that means they have no passing uh, offense. And then the rush offense isn't much better. In the Adam Gase well, era... And he doesn't even have Robbie Anderson this year, no, right? No. In the Adam Gase era, the Jets have averaged 77 rush yards a game. Uh, that's the second fewest in the NFL. I'll tell you who can rush, and that's Raheem Mostert, who uh, even oh, in the okay. loss last week... Did every, well, he, he get can after catch, it. Too. He can catch and run. And, he sure yeah, can. He's, um, he's, he's the real uh, deal. The Niners have a lot of weapons. Garoppolo's got to even himself out a bit. A 47 passer rating when targeting his wide receivers in week one, but 136 passer rating when targeting his running backs and tight ends. Uh, but I think he'll get a, a, a few of those those wrinkles ironed out because it's week two. He saw his live action last week. And the Niners are a championship team. I think they're going to return to championship form. Uh, and their defense, I, I mean, I don't think – I can't see the Jets covering 10 points, much less six and a half. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm taking the Niners. No. I see dead people. Seen ghosts. Someone call Crockett and Tubbs because the Bills Mafia is coming to South Beach. Yeah, the uh, Miami Dolphins, five-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against visiting Buffalo Bills. Uh, 41 is the over-under, another low total this week. And, man, uh, their last meeting actually did go over. Their last meeting in November 2019, the Bills won 37-20. to 20. That's, uh, that's a pretty big score for those two teams. Uh, Josh Allen. I was going to say, that's probably the most, most points that uh, the Bills have probably scored scored in the last five years yeah yeah josh allen loves playing miami he's got uh, 21 plus fantasy points in each of his four career games so if josh allen is sitting on your bench in the fantasy squad might want to consider starting him and uh he, to bolster that stat 10 pass tds in four career games versus the dolphins so i i, I i'm liking the bills here man what do you think well I mean, the Jets' defense can make anyone look good, right? They sure can. Or their lack thereof, and that's what you saw last week. I mean, that <laughs> if you just simply looked at the box score and didn't watch the game, you would think that game was a lot closer than it was. It wasn't. Buffalo played really well. <clears throat> but the same thing also happened with Miami. They had three turnovers, and it was only a 10-point differential against New England in New England. So if you remove those mistakes... I think I think that's magic. Um, even though that it looks like Devontae Parker is questionable uh, with a hamstring injury, probably not going to play. I just think Miami's going to. I think it's going to keep it a lot tighter here. And here's just another thing. I, I'll talk about weather more into our season when the autumn winds begin to swirl. But it's going to be 90 degrees with the humidex. It's hot, damn hot, real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. What do you think it's going to be like tonight? It's going to be hot and wet. That's nice if you're with a lady, but it ain't no good if you're in the jungle. You saw what happens when you go to a place like Jacksonville in the heat and you're not prepared for it. Well, Buffalo's the same way. So they're going to get Miami and you're going to look in the fourth quarter. And I think Miami is just going to have a little bit more steam. And I have a lot more faith in Ryan Fitzpatrick than I do Josh Allen. I have two concern stats that concern me about picking Miami. The first one okay. is last week, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, threw three interceptions versus the Patriots. All three of those interceptions came with no pressure. 
that could be the start of a worrying trend. Second of all, uh, the Bills' defense that he's playing is very stingy. When it, like they, you might get a field goal, but they're the quintessential bend but don't break defense. They've allowed 16 pass touchdowns since the start of 2019. That's tied for second fewest in the NFL. Uh, I didn't like what I saw from Miami last week. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of, uh, or pardon me, in New England last week when they played. Uh, that could be a little bit of recency bias. But I'm liking the Buffalo Bills this year. And as long as it's under a touchdown, I think I'm going to be saying, uh, go Bills. Yeah, well, squish you mentioned the earlier, fish. Yeah, it's go Bills, squish the fish, hold the emails. I know dolphins are mammals, but, you know, squish the fish. It's a 41-point total. Again, it's a low total with a relatively large spread for a divisional game. Um, I'll be honest, man. My numbers came with Buffalo way ahead of this spread, but I just... You know, just with the uh, with the temperatures and the fact that I think Fitzpatrick's going to have a bounce back game here. Um, five and a half is too many points to be giving uh, at, at home as against the divisional foe. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. This is Johnny Unitas of the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. Colts. It's, uh, well, the Indianapolis Colts, three-point favorites uh, against visiting Minnesota Vikings. Colts, uh, 48 and a half over under there. Uh, you know, before I talk about Indy, I'd like to ask you some about Minnesota because apparently they've got the benefit of the brilliant offensive mind of Gary Kubiak, who by halftime last <laughs> week called two pass plays for Kirk Cousins. Both of those dropbacks resulted in sacks. Now, I know a lot of people aren't fans of advanced fancy-pantsy metrics, but I think it's a winning strategy yeah. to have more pass attempts than sacks. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, 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 and ironically, that's kind of the antithesis of the way he normally coaches. He's, he's just happy to hand it off to the running back 35 times a game, right? So yep. <laughs> don't, put, don't put your faith in the hands of Kirk Cobb. Cousins against Green Bay of all teams. I, I don't know. I think it was a bit of a freak game for Minnesota. I know they're without Stefan Diggs, but when I looked at this line here, I was like, the wrong team's favored. You know, Marlon Mack went out in in that last game, so and he was one of their biggest weapons down the stretch last season. He's the reason why they did so well. No, granted, they have an off, awesome offensive line, but let me ask you this: Why does Frank Reich have? Uh, Philip Rivers, new to the team, throwing 46 times. It, it doesn't even make sense. Uh, I, I, maybe they'll iron that stuff out. But, dude, man, I'm looking for a bounce. Can you imagine the Minnesota Vikings going starting 0-1-2 and your Bears and the Packers starting 2-0? and Oh, I, yeah. I just don't see I can happening. imagine that, actually. I can. But well, I don't think it, I don't you think you dream yeah, about it every night. That's you right. Dream about it every but night. I don't think it's going to happen either. Like um, last week, the Colts had 445 yards of offense and they didn't punt the ball a single time. Yet they still managed to lose the game. Yeah. Well, they actually outgained the Jags by 200 yards. But like, that's because since that happen, 2016, right? Philip Rivers leads all NFL quarterbacks in fourth quarter turnovers in a one-score game 
with 15. Like, how bad is I that? A, he is above Jameis Winston. Dude, I know you're a huge, Jameis Winston has 14. Jameis I know you're a, 15. a huge Philip Rivers fan. I know you're a huge Philip Rivers fan. Like, between him and Carson Wentz, they should be on the Mount Rushmore of, of NFL quarterbacks right now for you, right? Well, what is there to love? The guy's 0-5 versus Mike Zimmer coach defenses, and who is he playing this week? Not Most mention, teams are. Most yeah, but teams are. 33-36 and 36 career record in the first five weeks of a season. I bet against him last week. I'm betting against him this week. I'm screaming Vikings. I'm screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Well, the Minnesota Vikings been known to lose a game or two. Chicago's got the Bears, but Lord, who cares? Them fans are always feeling blue. And the fans of the Lions are always crying because the boys are always out of luck. On to Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers are six-point favorites against the visiting Detroit Lions. And uh, did you see what Green Bay did to Minnesota last week? And does anyone still think that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to give a big middle finger to the Packers front office for using their first-round pick on a quarterback? I think that's exactly what we saw. Oh, man. <laughs> there was discount double checks going on all over that stadium. Dude, I had I, t- I had taken on a prop at Devontae Adams to go over 85 and a half yards. I think he did that in the first quarter. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. was, uh, it was uh, no, it was a bloodbath for sure. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Yeah, like Minnesota put up a bunch of points, just Rodgers put up a bunch more. Yeah. And I don't think that Detroit has the defense that uh, Minnesota has. So, you know, six points at Lambeau Field. I mean, just I want to delve into the Lions for a second here. because I Yeah, let's do that because I I think it's worth talking about. (laughs) I feel for Lions fan, okay, because Matt Patricia, the pencil, has a .297 win percentage as the Lions head coach. That's the second worst among Detroit head coaches to coach more than two seasons. However, he thinks he's the cat's ass because – of his, you know, winning defense in the Super Bowl 49. Now that was six years ago, but listen to his presser after their loss to the Bears last week. Throughout really your tenure here, you've had fourth quarter leads and lost them. Is there something in your coaching that maybe isn't happening enough in the fourth quarter for you to close out games? Yeah, I don't think so, Mike. I think I got probably one of the biggest plays in the fourth quarter in the history of the NFL where I think I did a pretty good job. So I don't think it's that. Like, this guy is freaking delusional. He's Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson on Fear and Loathing. He's on a mescaline trip. What's the score here? What's next? It was Malcolm Butler who saved his ass in that game. I mean, he didn't make that, that pick. I mean, he's 9-23-1 as the Lions head coach. And an even worse stat than that is under his leadership, the Lions have choked away 11 fourth quarter leads. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just going to throw that stat out myself. Of, of 33 games, one-third of them, they've been leading in the fourth quarter and lost. And, like, you want to talk about a statistical advantage. Uh, that Your Bears had a 2% chance of winning at one point. Well, I'm sorry, that 2% had never met Matt Patricia before. Yes, with the number two pencil behind his ear holding a laminated play-calling sheet. Uh, <laughs> and let me 
to go even further now. So Detroit's secondary, uh, their defensive backs, Desmond Trufant, Jeff Okuda, and Daryl Roberts didn't even practice this week. Not, not even likely to play. What do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to do with that? It, it's, yeah, you're going to see another bloodbath. And I, I just can't imagine how this point spread doesn't climb to over a touchdown. Um, <laughs> if you can get it at seven or under, man, take the Packers. Holy crap. Yeah, Danica Patrick better run for her life because I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers is walking around with a huge chubber all week long knowing he was going to play the Lions defense. Uh, well, everybody app- knows the Apparently he walked, into the lo- he walked into the locker room this week and his dick had already been there for two minutes. You are fully torqued, bro. Crank down. Crank it down. Now to talk about my Bears in the Windy City. They are at home against the New York Giants. Bears are five and a half point favorites. And, uh, you know, dude, if Trubisky wants to keep his momentum going from the fourth quarter last week, then he's playing the right team because the Giants are allowing the fourth most fantasy points per game to quarterback since 2019. And according to Next Gen Stats, this is something that Trubisky has to focus on. Uh, All three of his TDs in the fourth quarter were thrown into uh, coverage with less than one yard of separation. That's the most in a single quarter since Next Gen uh, began tracking that stat five years ago. So eat your heart out, Pat Mahomes. We've got Mitch Trubisky. Hey, Matty, what did I tell you before last week's game? I said Trubisky. He's the way to go. Screw Nick Foles and his Super Bowl MVP. Trubisky's the man. Yeah. No, that's what you've been say saying all along. No, I, I, I didn't say that at all. Um, even a broken clock's rate twice a day. Uh, that's about all I can say about Mitch Trubisky in the last game, man. Um, well, Moneyline Maddie <laughs> rode again. Moneyline Maddie came through. Moneyline Maddie came through. Now, let's look at the Giants here for a second. So, Aquan Barkley, as we mentioned before, was held to six rushing yards on 15 attempts. That hasn't happened since a man named Karim Abdul-Jabbar, and I'm not talking about the LA Laker, I'm talking about the famous Miami Dolphin, went for five yards on 15 carries in 1998. That's how long it's been. So, again, it was at the Giants' O-line, and if it is, can Chicago put a, a similar amount of pressure on that the Steelers did? You know, with their role I think Khalil Mack Khalil would Mack. like to say they can. Yeah, I, I, I think they have a similar front seven, um, a similar front seven. And I think if if this if you can see that the Steelers got pressure on uh, both the running back and the quarterback, I, there's no reason to think that the Chicago defense can either. Now, five and a half point spread with a 42 total, kind of big. But I honestly, man, watching that game. On Monday night, and I don't want to be a victim of the recency effect, but I've just got no faith in the Giants. You know, they got a brand new coach, so there's a a continuity thing that they have to deal with, especially in COVID times. Danny Dimes can't hold on to a football either. No, 
Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think your Bears are going to – I don't think they're going by a lot, but I think they're going to win by more than five and a half points. Yeah, there's a couple Bears I want to shine uh, a light on uh, before I make my pick. First is Kyle Fuller. He is such an underrated cornerback. You got to put some respect on this cat's name. 11 interceptions in his last 33 games, and uh, according to ESPN stats, four of them had an actual direct impact on a Bears victory. And he's been pretty durable for the Bears. He's played in all 16 games in five of his six seasons. Uh, the next guy is Corderell Patterson. I mean, this guy is oh, the ultimate the weapon. Yeah, he's the ultimate weapon. And Matt Nagy, has, as, as the Bears head coach and play caller, has to uh, get a lot of credit for getting Patterson involved and in a lot of different ways. Patterson had uh, 19 rushes on four carries, a 12-yard catch for a first down, and a 45-yard kick return that set up their first TD of the fourth quarter. Uh, another prop to Nagy, because you know I'm I'm one of Nagy's big detractors, is I was really impressed with his commitment to the run, and it was very noticeable last week. The Bears averaged 5.3 yards per rush uh, versus the Lions, and if they can keep rushing the ball, that in turn is going to help Mitch Trubisky. And I agree with you. I there's no faith to be had in the New York Giants. Uh, I'm going with just Bears. a clarification question for you, Maddie. Is Cordell Patterson? Patterson listed as a wide receiver, or is he technically a running back? I think he's a wide receiver because he's got a wide receiver number. I think so, too. But they're using him as a running back like they used Tariq Cohen as a wide receiver. So let's throw all these titles out the window. Who needs titles? Yeah, just get the job done, man. It's a new day in a so new guessing, NFL. So you're taking Chicago then, are you? Of course. <laughs> And we go to the desert where the Arizona Cardinals are playing host to the Washington professional football team and uh, Arizona six and a half point favorites. And, uh, you know, this is the first of the uh, late afternoon games. And both of these teams really kind of showed us something last week, didn't they? Well, they're two unlikely teams to be 1-0 uh, based on who they played in divisional games the week prior. Very much so. But, both teams, both uh, teams, it was well, surprising they won. I, actually, I think Arizona impressed me more than Washington did. Maybe it was because I just paid more attention to the game. But I'll tell you what, uh, adding DeAndre Hopkins to that offense was huge. And they would not have won game without his presence on the field and the same thing can be said about Kyler Murray because he when he needed to scramble he did and he just picked up first downs and kept moving the chains and that was what kept them going it was what kept the 49ers offense off the field and uh, you know a, t- a tip of the hat to both coaches they're both great coaches um, one of them a lot more seasoned than the other but you know Ron- Riverboat Ronnie did what he does and I <laughs> so oh here we go. I'm going to take Washington on this one. And I just what's, Washington what's has that? not start. Washington has not started a season two and zero since 2011, and that season they finished five and eleven. They didn't even have a yeah, but they didn't have a riverboat Ronnie then. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm just and saying it's it's the, very interesting. That, no, no, that, I, no. Honestly, that's the that's the biggest difference. Um, oftentimes, when you get a new coach, there's a sort of a melding period, and uh, they're not going through that. They they're paying attention to him right away. 
Like, hey, he's an ex-Chicago Bear from the 85 season, right? Not Bears. Oh, yeah, he's he's legendary. Riverboat Ronnie is absolutely legendary. In fact, he coached that. Uh, he coached a Bears team. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Cliff Kingsbury has put like a really good scheme together for a quarterback that's mobile and can throw the football when he's got the white, right weapons like Larry Fitzgerald and John J. Hopkins. Two future Hall of Famers, right? The problem with the Cardinals is their defense, though. They haven't had yes, uh, opponents to 20 or fewer points in two straight games since weeks 13 and 14 of 2018. And their defense hasn't really changed a whole heck of a lot. I agree with you. DeAndre Hopkins was a fantastic ad. Um, 14 catches last week. The rest of the team had 12. <laughs> Hopkins had 14. Actually, I mean, you know what? I think that was a career high for him in terms was of it? catches. Which well, is, is astonishing considering how prolific his resume is. Um, well, Kyler yeah, Murray's no, a smart he, young I player. I think you're right about problem. Arizona's defense. Very suspect. Um, Terrell Suggs was a failed experiment that um, happened last year. He's no longer in the stratosphere. But I, I like Washington to cover this spread. I don't care if they're on the road. Um, and I don't care if they're in the desert. Well, then we're in agreement. I'm uh, taking the professional football team from Washington. Um, and just a note to some of our listeners, I have seen this line on a couple sports books at uh, minus seven for Arizona. So have a look around, get yourself some value. Uh, you might be able to get Washington plus seven instead, and that extra half a point uh, sure can help on Sundays. Well, the next team to have the unfortunate task of playing the Kansas City Chiefs falls to the L.A. Chargers, who sit as nine-point home dogs. Um, actually, the line started at uh, uh, eight and a half, I believe, right? But I believe I've seen it a bunch of places yep. at nine now. Um, eight, eight and a half, we, nine. Well, that's teaser teaser protection, right? That's uh, right. That's the reason why I went to nine. Yep. So, do the Chargers even stand a chance here? I mean, Andy Reid, let's just, Andy Reid, 26 and nine when he's got 10 plus days to prepare for his next oh, opponent. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Well, let me break it down this way. Okay. First off, I think we all watched, well, whoever, whomever watched the Monday night game uh, with the Rams saw how beautiful a new stadium that they're playing in. And the Chargers aren't used to have, they're used to playing in a late, uh, an athletic field. And now you've got this multi-billion dollar facility that's probably the toast of the town across the entire United States. Awesome place to play. With no fans there, who knows if there's going to be any advantage. Probably not. Kansas City played the very first game of the NFL season in 2020 against the Houston Texans. And all eyes were on that game. Are these guys going to be standing for the national anthem? Are, like everything? There was so much buildup. Uh, an anticipation in this game that the pressure on these players far transcended normal games that they played, probably even including the Super Bowl from the year before. Okay? Yep. Now, couple that with the fact that Baltimore is probably their biggest foe to win the AFC Championship. And guess whom they play next to Monday 
head under the spotlight, the Baltimore Ravens. And Maddie, I think you know where I'm going with this. It's an almost wise guys sandwich, sandwich game. And you're absolutely right. Andy Reid, with a little bit of extra time to prepare, always comes out firing on all cylinders. But you're going to L.A. And then you're getting on a plane and you're going to Houston. And that's going to be a big game. And if you have, you know, a decent lead in the fourth quarter, are you, are you going to be resting, guys? Are you going to be running the ball a lot? Like, I just see a huge backdoor cover opportunity here for Terod Taylor and the Chargers. I wanna be and he doesn't turn the ball all over. I just think this is a great spot for the Chargers to come and sneak, not to win outright, don't get me wrong, but I, I think they're going to definitely keep it within a touchdown. Um, divisional game, and although Kansas City really plays their divisional foes well, especially when you look at their against the spread record, but I think this is going to be a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, again, sandwich game, look for the Chargers to cover eight and a half points here at home. I'm not going to put a lot of thought into this game because... <sighs> I'm just not. The Chargers, though, they've lost 11 of their last 12 games versus the Chiefs. And the way they looked against the Bengals, I think that trend is going to continue this week. The Chiefs are an unstoppable force. I'm taking Casey with the points. Own the Chiefs. Owns. 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 Doug. Sex is tatted on my arm. Got Houston on my back. Cause I love the city I'm from. Hands up if you feel that. And our last game Sunday afternoon is in Houston, where uh, the Houston Texans play host to the Baltimore Ravens. Houston seven point underdogs at home, an over under of 51 and a half, which is pretty high for, uh, well, for this week anyway. I think in Houston, we're watching the wheels come off a franchise that less than a year ago had Super Bowl dreams and wanted a deep playoff run uh, before the uh, Titans halted their advance. Baltimore's not really the opponent you want to play when you're looking for a win. <laughs> They've won 13 regular, uh, 13 straight regular season games. Uh, that's the longest streak in franchise history. What, what do you make of this game, Andy? Well, from the Houston side of the ball, you would expect that Bill O'Brien, right, the head coach of the Texans, he must hate that management got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, hang on. No, no, he's also the general manager. He was the one that did it. No! He was so missed. It was so, he was, DeAndre Hopkins was so conspicuously absent from that game. It was almost difficult to watch. And I realized that there's still a few other good weapons around him, like, uh, like Fuller the fourth. But Baltimore is just a train that keeps on rolling. And I bet against them last week with the Browns, I probably got a little bit too cute with that. But I'm going to keep riding this train of Baltimore. I just, Houston, is on paper, it looks like the better team to pick, right? Especially when you consider that Baltimore kicked the crap out of them last season. And there might be a revenge factor here. But Baltimore is just so much better than other teams in the AFC. I, I would be hard, it would be really hard for me to bet against them and sleep at night. So I'm, I'm taking the Ravens on this one. As long as it stays... Uh, a touchdown or under, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Well, it's pretty easy to talk about the Ravens' offense. Um, Lamar Jackson, 27 pass TDs and one interception over his last eight regular season games. I mean, that guy is unconscious. But the defensive side of the ball, the Ravens have only allowed 
12.4 points per game since week 11, 2019. That's the fewest over that span in the NFL. And they blitzed last week on 48.8% of their dropbacks, which was the second highest total last week in, across the, all of the NFL. Uh, now, Deshaun Watson, he had a 26.8 passer rating, zero touchdowns, one interception versus the blitz in week one. It's not going to get any better for Deshaun uh, this week. It's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a rough year for that poor guy. I'm, but I'm taking the Baltimore uh, Ravens with the points. I'm doing a lot of chalk this week. You're in big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> Our Sunday nighter, we go to the Pacific Northwest and the Seattle Seahawks four-point favorites against visiting New England Patriots, a 45 over-under. And uh, Bill Belichick is 1-2 versus Pete Carroll in his Patriots tenure, so that includes the playoffs. And tied for the worst record versus opposing coach in that span with a minimum of three games. This is going to be a hard one for the New England Patriots coming across the country, uh, playing on the West Coast. And the Seahawks, they've just got a ridiculous offense. Well, they got they're good on both sides of the ball. They got the best point differential uh, at home in prime time since 2012 in the NFL. Uh, they're plus 226. So Russell Wilson, he's a prime time guy, and also six and two versus Cam Newton in his career, including the playoffs. Uh, I am riding the Seahawks train to this one. What are you saying, pal? Those trending stats are, are nice. Nice, but when you're talking about Seattle at home, you have to talk about the 12th man, and the 12th man isn't there. And I realize that New England has got a new look this year. I think Bill Belichick is, you know, he's he's, he's getting a lemonade out of some lemons with Cam Newton, having rushing for 15 carries for 75 yards, by far the largest rusher on the team last week. And now you got wide receiver Philip Dorsett is questionable for Seattle with a foot injury. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Russell Wilson threw for four TDs and three incomplete passes last week, but I just don't see that happening again. And I think my, again, sometimes I go, I, I go against my own numbers, and, and this is another instance where I'm doing it. I think the Patriots can cover this spread. It's over a field goal, and I think it's probably going to come down to a field goal game. And Russ, they let Russell Wilson loose. Pete Carroll did last week. Like he was, he was throwing the ball on, you know, fourth down. He's throwing the ball in in the first quarter. That's just not normally what they do. If they keep that up, I'm going to be scared. But if they revert back to normal Pete Carroll type play calling, I'm going to expect Bill Belichick to exploit it in some way, shape, or form, like he always does. And you know, as long as this thing is. Uh, over a, a field goal, I'm going to take the Patriots on, even though they're on the road, which has really not much um, of a symbolic effect for, for Seattle without their fans being there. So I'm I'm taking the Pats. Andy, dope's no joke. This is crack. Rock cocaine. <laughs> Diabetes. On to Monday night, where the Las Vegas Raiders play their first home game in the mighty Las Vegas. 
And the New Orleans Saints come to town after a big win against Tampa Bay last week. Uh, Vegas is sitting as five and a half point home underdogs. Uh, 49 and a half points is the over under. Now, New Orleans is without their big wide receiver, Michael Thomas. Uh, he's got a high ankle sprain. And uh, let me tell you this I like the way the Raiders run the ball. David Carr, mm-hmm. not Eric Carr, the ex drummer from Kiss. David Carr still. Er, no. Sorry, Derek Carr. See, I, I've got the wrong ones. I'm always calling so you got the wrong David Carr. David Carr that played for the Texans. That's right. And Derek, Derek Carr, Carr is the third, the, the third Vegas. best car. He's the third best car. He's not he's better than Drew Brees. But you know what? No. He's got he's got the Raiders offense playing well. Josh Jacobs is one hell of a oh, running back. And that kid is uh, phenomenal. I think Three without Michael Thomas. Week, are you kidding me? Yeah. I think without Michael Thomas and the way the Raiders can control the ball, I'm looking for the Raiders not only to cover, but it's your money line Maddie pick. Are you really? Yep. 100%. Okay. All right. Now, um, brand new venue. Neither team has played a professional football game in this new venue, so it's hard to dictate what exactly home field advantage means. I'm going to assume that Drew Brees and the crew aren't going out on the town the night before and uh, spending all their money and time on, um, you know, in the casino and cheap. I heard, I heard Drew. I heard Drew Brees loves to whore it up. Does he? Oh yeah, he's, eh, he's yeah, a maybe. big whoremonger. I don't know that to be that. true, but I just know it for a fact. The Raiders played a great game. They played a great game last week. Uh, Coach Gruden got them all fired up. I just think New Orleans is one of the probably top two or three teams in the NFC that are, I would consider elite. And Vegas is not there yet. The Raiders aren't there yet. Uh, not even close. Um, I, I um, under uh, the Monday Night Lights, I'm taking New Orleans. I think that a lot of people are going to be interested just to watch this game to see what the Vegas facility looks like. I'm, I'm going with the Saints on this one. And, uh, yeah, that's where my numbers come up. Le who, the her. Please hang up and try again. And finally, it's time for a little segment we like to call Andy's Total Tease. It's where he gives you a total and a teaser that you can look at. So, Andy, take it over from here, pal. Uh, So, for the total, we're going to look at the Carolina-Tampa Bay game. Um, I know that Jameis Winston isn't there throwing pick sixes regularly, but Tom Brady now is. So, uh, if you look at how many games that Tampa Bay went over last season, uh, it was a statistical anomaly. And I think Teddy, uh, bridge over troubled water, uh, will keep Carolina in the game. And 47 and a half, I think, is, is, a, is a little bit low. And I'm looking for that game to go over. Not a typical wise guy move, but I, I just like this spot for both of them. Now, my teaser has a friend from South Beach. And I'm going to tease them right up through the 7 and the 10 to 11 and a half against your Buffalo Bills. It's going to be a very low scoring game which is exactly the same reason why I'm taking the next team, which is my San Francisco 49ers, dialing them down from a six and a half just to win the game against your failing New York Jets. 
Well, thank you for listening to week two of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week one games across the NFL. From the Colson Oster Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week. The same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Yeah.